Well, good morning. I'm so glad to see you. Let me add my welcome to you and all the people worshiping with us online. We're always glad to have you. Glad you could be here. Now, I got up this morning. It was kind of cool. And I said, you know, I'm not sure that a lot of folks are going to show up today. And boy, was I wrong. Look at the person next to you and say, I am so glad you came. Here you are right here. There's folks here. I started to say that there were seats on the front row, but people started filling that in, too. I am so impressed. I, I was going to tell you to look around. These are the people you'll see in heaven. But you people are serious about it, aren't you? I am impressed. Now, we're talking about change this year. This is the third and six messages. We started the first of the year. We're talking about, you know, what is it God wants to change in us? It's not so much what we change by ourselves. It's not because of our own strength or power or willpower, but it's rather the transformation that God can make in us through his spirit as we just are open and pliable and willing and adaptable and listening and obedient and faithful. Now, God, what is it you want to change in me? So today, I want you to think about that in your own life. Now, ask God, Lord, where is the area where I need to change. It may be different for the person next to you. It may not be the same thing. I could tell you about a lot of mine. I'll share a few of them. But listen, it's about you and what God wants to do in your life. How can you have the power to change? Maybe you want to get out of debt. Or maybe you just want to learn to manage your money better. Or maybe you want to strengthen your marriage. Or maybe you're interested in getting in better physical shape. Or maybe you want to get organized. What is it that God is saying to you that he wants to see changed in your life? It can start off really small. It doesn't have to be a really big thing. And God can take something really small and he can make it really big. You know, hope is a wonderful thing, isn't it? And, and hope is a blessing. And we're grateful because hope gives us a future. We're looking at what's going to happen. And you say, well, I hope that I can change. But let me tell you, hope by itself won't change us, but habits will. In other words, we can hope all day long, but if we don't actually take some action and see the habits change in our lives with God's help, we won't see any difference. You know, there's hope and there's habits. And let me ask you, what did you do last Wednesday? Because chances are, whatever you did in your routine in the morning on Wednesday was probably the same as it was on Tuesday. It's probably the same on Thursday. We get in routines, don't we? And we do the same thing every morning. And every day you're just going through the motion. Maybe your alarm goes off, you jump out of bed and get ready. Maybe it goes off and you hit snooze. Chances are, whatever you do, you do the same thing every day. So what is it that you're doing? Well, you know, when you drive to work, have you ever driven to work and realized when you got there, you know, I do this every day. I drive this same way every day. I've just become blind to everything around me, and I have driven here on autopilot. That's scary. And I know that some of you do because I drive with you. I watch you. I, I see. I saw a boy driving the other day. He was in the left lane, and obviously he did not take driver's education. And he had a device in his hand, and he was studying that thing as he was going down the road. And he was going about 20 miles an hour in a 45, but I'm not bitter. He was over in the left lane, and he was enjoying himself, and he, he didn't care. People were going around him, and they were sharing things with him. 
They were trying to communicate with him in a way that he would understand. There were symbols involved here, and he was focused on that cell phone. I don't know what he was reading, and I hope he made it to where he was going because somebody was ready to help him get there early, okay? But, you know, I, was, I come here in the morning. We have 21 days of prayer. We get here, I get up at 5 o'clock, and I leave the house at 5.30, and I get down here at 6 o'clock, and the room's filled up with people praying, 6 o'clock in the morning, 6 to 7, and then I go back home, I'm diabetic, I have to take my insulin, then I have to drink a shake real quick, and then I come back to the office. Well, Laura, her schedule, she has to go to work earlier, and so she's leaving about the time I'm getting back, and I was driving back, and we were in the neighborhood. Now, in the neighborhood, there's no other distractions, okay? It's just her. Her coming out and me going in. There's no other cars, just the two of us. We've been married 43 years, okay? She knows what my truck looks like. <laughs> and we pass each other on the road, and she does not even see me. I mean, I ask her later, honey, did I do something wrong? Are you upset with me? No, why? Well, you didn't speak to me. I didn't even see you, she said. I said, oh, well, that's really scary. <laughs> so she's on autopilot, but we all do it. We all get on autopilot. We're driving along, and we're just not paying attention, and we're focused on, you know, I've got this and this and this. When I get to the office, there's all this stuff. And so we have to make a conscious effort to really spend time with God every morning before we jump into it, don't we? And that's the only way we can do it. And so hope is a great thing, but habits are what will change our lives. And so then you can't just make a decision about something. Now, decisions are good, and I hope you'll make decisions, and decisions work. But listen, decisions by themselves don't become habits. Then where are you going to go with that? It, well, I thought about it. He talked about it. I, was, I meant to do it. I, it was wishful thinking on my part, but hey, I'm not really acting on it. And so I want to change my habits. So today, we're going to talk about holy habits. Look at the person next to you and say, holy habits, okay? Now, don't be giving them a long list, because I know what you're thinking. I want you to pick up some holy habits, and here they are, and just sit down and listen to me. Forget what he's saying. Here we go. This is what we're going to focus on. I want to talk about Daniel. Daniel was an amazing young man. He lived in Jerusalem, and, and when the, the Israelites were conquered, then they took a select group of young adults, they took them to Babylon. And they said, we're going to introduce you to the culture of Babylon, and we're going to try to mold you into being somebody like we are. We're going to try to make you who we want you to be. And Daniel, this young man, he was chosen. He was the cream of the crop, the best and the brightest, along with some others. And they said, now we're going to take these, and these are going to be our leaders in the future because we're going to change them so much that they'll just blend into the culture. But here's what happened. He was taken captive. Everything in his life changed. He wasn't around the people that he knew. He wasn't around the people that he'd always followed, the people that he'd always listened to, the people who always looked at him as a leader. But here's what it says. Daniel resolved not to defile himself. Hey, they said, well, here's what we want you to do. Here's some food and here's some drink. We want you to do it the way we do it. He said, I've chosen in my heart. I'm not going to eat that particular food. I'm not going to drink that particular drink. In fact, diet, Daniel had his own diet, the Daniel plan. And Daniel had an influence on his buddies, and they did it all too. And he actually went to the guy in charge of the food. He said, listen, here's what I want you to do. 
Let us just try this. Get, get all your guys just to eat what we eat for a little while. See if they won't be in better shape than they are right now. If it doesn't work, you hadn't lost anything. And so the guy listened to Daniel, and he did what he said. And you know what? The other guys who were eating too much fat and drinking too much alcohol, they got in better shape. And so he said, hey, we're going, this is the plan. We're going to Daniel is in a foreign country, and he's setting the rules on what kind of diet those people are going to have. That's amazing to me, but that's what he did. Daniel had favor. God's hand was on Daniel. It didn't really matter where he was. God was going to bless him, and he was going to use him. And through him, he was going to lead other people closer to God. He had favor with the king, and he was put in a position of leadership because of God. God blessed him. And then they came along and, and they said, you know, the Babylonians got defeated and the Persians came in and they took over and now they're in charge. And, but they recognized Daniel. You know, it didn't matter that there was a change in leadership, a change in the political structure. They looked at Daniel. They said, now, this is a leader right here. We want to use him. We're going to put him out front. He's going to do great things for us. And so that's what they did. And they said, Daniel. We want you to be one of three governors over the whole area. And he said, then there's going to be 120 provincial governors under the three of you. But the king goes on. It says, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, that's those provincial governors, by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He got a plan. He said, we're going to put Daniel in charge. He, he's a head and shoulders above everybody else. We're going to do what he says. And guess what happened? Those other guys that were the leaders with Daniel, they got jealous of him. And they said, we don't like that. Why is he so great? I mean, he's not looking at us. He's looking at Daniel. And so they got together and they said, you know what we got to do? We got to come up with a plan. We got to come up with a plan that'll, that'll hurt Daniel. We got to get some dirt on him. We're going to investigate his life. We're going to watch him like a hawk. We're going to find something bad we can report to the king about him that he's doing, and then we're going to kind of knock him down a little bit from his pedestal. But the problem was, when they checked out his life, and they were looking, they said they could find no flaw in Daniel's character. Well, what if people looked at you that way, and they said, hey, I can't find any flaw in their character. I mean, you talk about being a leader. You know, you do it by action. And then it's, they said this, and this is so sad to me, but it's true. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. In other words, we're looking at Daniel, and what's sad about it is that they were so desperate. What's wonderful about it is Daniel is such a godly man that they can't find anything wrong with him. And so they're looking and trying to find it, and they said, well, the only thing that maybe he might compromise, he might not do what the king says. He might be so faithful to his God that he'll get in trouble. So let's look there. And so they went to the king and they said, because they knew Daniel prayed, wouldn't it be great when your name was mentioned if people said, well, the thing I can tell you about that person is they are a person of prayer. I mean, they're faithful. I mean, every day they're after it. I mean, they walk and they talk with God. They're not perfect. 
but they don't let that keep them from being who God wants them to be. And every day they're trying to get closer and closer, and, and their habits have changed, and they're walking with God. They said, listen, anybody, this is what you need to do, King, anybody who kneels down and prays to anybody but you for 30 days, you need to throw them in the lion's den. Well, the king didn't really think it through. All he heard was, they're going to pray to me. That sounds pretty good. I like that plan. Okay, fine. That'll be fine because he wasn't paying attention. And then sure enough, what happened? Daniel heard about it. What did he do? Did he pray in secret? No, listen to what he did. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. He didn't pull the curtains. He didn't shut the window. He didn't make it a secret. He just kept doing what he had always done. What's he saying? Hey, my faith is in God and no one else. And I'm going to do what he's called me to do, and then I'm going to trust him for the results. They looked at Daniel, and they said, Daniel has got a habit of prayer. That's what we see in him. What a blessing that is to be known that way. And so they persuaded the king, and sure enough, then they went and told him what had happened. Now, he goes and prays, and three times a day he's praying. Daniel's been praying, and he breaks the law. And so what happens is these guys go back like little children and tattle on him. And they say, hey, you know what Daniel's been doing? He's been praying to somebody else, another God, not you. And so, and so you got to put him in the lion's den. And this poor king, he, he liked Daniel. He didn't want to do that, but he had issued this decree, and it was law, and he didn't have any choice. And so he had to put Daniel in the lion's den. And, and he put him in there, and he was sealed up in there. And all night long, the king was saying, boy, I hope he's okay. I hope his God does rescue him. I hope that he's blessed. And the next morning, he rushed down there to see how Daniel had done. He said, Daniel, has your God that you serve been able to rescue you? He looked in there, and you know what Daniel had done? He had redecorated the den. He had his head propped up on one line. He had his feet propped up on another one. You know what he was doing? He was taking a cat nap. <laughs> How much did you pay to get in here, really? <laughs> but, but now listen, this is what he said. Daniel says, hey, an angel of the Lord shut the lion's mouths. And yes, my God has rescued me. Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? He said, you know, God protected me. How did Daniel set himself apart? He had this one holy habit that he was known for, that it really stood out. He did a lot of things right. But that, that habit of prayer, his enemies even knew about it. And he prayed. And it just started out with that one holy habit, just a little prayer. But you know, God can take a little prayer. And he can make some big results out of it, can't he? He can do things that we couldn't possibly do by ourselves. And so what happened was he's praying. He's not just praying once. I mean, how many of us pray every day? 
He's praying three times a day. And what did that do? Well, that built his faith in God. And that strengthened his spiritual intimacy with God. And he learned to hear the voice of God. And he learned to be intimate with God and be prompted by the direction that God was giving him. Daniel's habit of prayer gave him confidence because with God, he could face temptation and be victorious. It was a spiritual strength in his life. And it started with that one simple habit, and it changed the trajectory of Daniel's life. One small thing can make one big change. Never underestimate what God can do in your marriage or with your faith or with your health, or with your friendships, or with the impact that you have on other people through one small, specific, God-honoring, holy habit. Now, the first week we talked about what? We said real and lasting change isn't behavior modification. It's spiritual transformation. In other words, it's not something I'm going to do by myself because I'm not that strong. But God can change me if I just say yes to him. Lord, I can't do this by myself, but with your help, all things are possible. And so we started saying, now, why are you going to do that? I mean, there's a lot of reasons to do that, but we're not talking about the worldly why. We're talking about the spiritual why. What is the spiritual why that's going to enable me to see spiritual transformation in my life? It has to be spiritual. It can't just be any kind of common sense thing. And that's the way spiritual transformation takes place. The second week, here's what we said. You do what you do because of what you think of you. You do what you do because of what you think of you. You ever meet somebody that has low self-esteem and they don't think very much of themselves and they don't shoot very high and they don't try to accomplish very much because they don't think that they can do anything. They just don't see themselves as God sees them and they don't know what God wants to do through them. You do what you do because of what you think of you. And this is where you have to answer the question, what's my spiritual who? Who am I really in God's eyes? When God looks at me, he doesn't just see what's here today. He sees the potential. He sees the future of what can be. He sees what he wants to call me to do. And so I need to know, what's my spiritual why? And what is my spiritual who? And I'm not just talking about my own power or willpower. I'm talking about spiritual transformation that only God can offer. God's power working in me, enabling me to do his will. Now today, we want to talk about the spiritual what. What is it that God wants? What's one habit you need to start based on who you want to become? One habit that God wants to change in your life. Maybe you want to be a more loving spouse. Maybe you want to be an example to your children spiritually. Maybe you want to be a godly witness to friends and family. Maybe you want to manage your resources better and, and learn how to give God the first priority in your life. What's the one habit that God wants to change in you? What's he telling you today? You might want to be more disciplined. So what's that one habit that you're going to change? Maybe in the morning when you get up instead of looking at Facebook first 
you might look at the Bible first and then put that further down the list, okay? All things are possible with God, but we have to be open and receptive to whatever he wants to do in us. So maybe you want to leave a spiritual legacy through your children. I'm going to pray with my children every night before they go to sleep. Whatever it is, ask God. He'll tell you what's the one habit. Maybe you want to be a leader at work and you want to have an influence for the faith with those people who work with you every day and they're not Christians and you are. And so you're going to pray for God to use you to be a witness to them. Maybe you want to be somebody who genuinely cares about people and you want to be real about that and you want to communicate that and help people and encourage them. Maybe you want to say, I want to write a note to somebody somebody every week. I want to text somebody once a day. I just want to send them a little message of encouragement and affirmation and love. I want them to know that they're special and I want them to feel good about their lives today just because I'm going to try to encourage them. Or maybe you say, I want to be organized in my life and I'm going to organize. One of the ways God loves organization, he, he didn't like chaos. And so one of the things I'm going to do is I'm going to start making my bed every day. It's just one little step toward being organized. I don't know what God's calling you to do might be to be a godly example to your teenager and say, hey, look, let's do this little devotional on the phone every day real quick. Just listen to this scripture and let's talk about it together and then we'll pray and go on. You might say, I want to be healthier. I want to be in better shape. My body is a temple and, and I'm, I'm of the Holy Spirit and I want to be who God wants me to be. And so you cut back on sugar. Maybe you're trying to just be healthier or maybe you might want to get closer to God. What's that one habit where you say, you know what I'm going to do? Because I want to get closer to God, maybe he's calling me. I'm going to be faithful in church. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to worship God every week. I'm going to be there because it makes a difference. I've been with God. He's been with me. And I'm going to have my quiet time at home. But, man, I tell you, it makes a difference because you're around a bunch of other Christian people. And you're just encouraged by them. And they lift you up. And you lift them up. And you pray for one another. In Hebrews, it says this. Let us not neglect meeting together as some have made a habit. But let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Based on what you want to become, what's the one habit? Pray and ask God to prompt you in this area. What's the one habit you want to build in my life? How do you want to create a new habit in me? The first thing we need to do to do that is to be, make it obvious. Make it obvious. You need to have a cue. Now, I want to explain that. I'm not talking about the letter Q, okay? I'm talking about the word Q, C-U-E, Q, okay? And that Q kind of triggers you to do something, right? You see, maybe it creates a desire and a craving, and you follow that, and there's a response and an action, which leads to a reward. It may be a dopamine hit. It may be a sugar buzz. It may be a kiss. I don't know what it is, but there's a Q to a craving and a response and a reward, and it's a habit cycle that you get into years ago when our children were little. We would drive down the road. The most amazing thing would happen. We would drive by Krispy Kreme donuts and the red light would come on. <laughs> and our car would just magically pull into the parking lot there at Krispy Kreme and go through the drive through It cued us. We knew what was going to happen. We were ready, right? Well, that can happen anyway. So there's a cue and a craving and an action and a reward. But maybe... You need to change your cue. Maybe you need to let it cue you to do something else. You want to take vitamins every morning. So what do you do? Put them by your toothbrush. When you go in to brush your teeth, take your vitamins. If you're not brushing your teeth on a daily basis, 
when you take your vitamins, brush your teeth, okay? <laughs> you never know. You just never know about people. Or maybe you want to read your Bible. You want to start reading your Bible first thing in the morning. Put your Bible by your cereal bowl or whatever you do first thing in the morning so you can do that. Make it obvious. Secondly, make it easy. Make it simple. Now, there's a book called Getting Things Done by David Allen. And in that book, he talks about the two-minute rule. The two-minute rule is there are some things you can do every day that it'll take two minutes to do. So he says, whatever those two-minute things are, try to do them, make them a priority, try to do them early on. Then you can go on to the bigger jobs, the harder-to-tackle jobs, but just do it and get it done. Check it off the list. I make a list every morning. I go down through there. I come in every morning. I have my quiet time in the office, and I read the good news. And then I get the newspaper and read the bad news. And I have to read I have to read the good news in order to read the bad news. And every now and then I keep up with some current event. Maybe I'll share it in here with you. But, you know, it's an opportunity for us. And so make it easy, and it'll, it'll help us to get that easy thing off the plate. Now, they went one step further, and a guy named James Clear wrote another book called Atomic Habits. And in there, he said the key to starting any habit is to make it a habit. In other words, I'm going to start this, but I'm going to make it a habit. I'm going to do it every day. And maybe it might be a habit that I do in two minutes or less. Make it obvious. Make it easy. Let me give you an example of that. Maybe God is speaking to you, and in your quiet time, he's saying, you need to start journaling. And you're saying, not me. You're talking to somebody else. You got the wrong number. You're talking to this guy beside. No. God's calling you to do it, but you, you're, you're just scared to death of that. Well, lower your threshold. If God's calling you to, to journal, you don't have to write four pages the first day. Just write a sentence and say, okay, Lord, I did it. <laughs> there you go. And that's where you start, right? If you want to pray with your spouse, but you're intimidated by that, and, and somehow it makes you nervous and you've never done it, well, just lower the threshold and say, okay, I'm going to hold her hand or I'm going to hold his hand, and I'm going to thank God for one thing. And that's going to be my prayer today. I'm going to make it really, God, I thank you for healthy kids or grandchildren. I, Lord, I thank you for my job. Lord, I thank you for life. I'm just glad to be here. Thank God for one thing and then start from there. And the next thing you know, it'll be two things. Then it'll be three things. And pretty soon you'll be praying to God. Start exercising. You want to exercise? That's what God's calling you to do. Take care of your body. Put your shoes, your walking shoes. If you're going to start walking, put those by the bed. Oh, yeah, I remember what I'm supposed to do with them. I need to put them on and go for a walk. Make it very obvious. Make it easy. Now, James Clear also talks about habit stacking. Habit stacking. And here's how habit stacking works. I'm going to do this thing. And then I'm going to do this thing. It cues me to do this next exercise. And then I'm going to do this thing. And then I'm going to do this thing. So I've got these habits that I want to stack. And I'm going to number them. And one leads to two, leads to three, leads to four. And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to stack my habits, okay? So once you do that, then you're seeing that happen in your life and you please God. Now, Daniel prayed three times a day. And we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us exactly when. That happened, but you know, I got to thinking about it. What do we do most days? We eat three times a day. Some of us might eat a little more than that. All the more reason to brush our teeth, okay? I'm just saying. <laughs> so, so maybe Daniel prayed when he ate, but I'm not just talking about a blessing. 
I'm talking about it. He got serious about prayer. And he might have said, yeah, I'm getting ready to have breakfast. I'm just going to spend some time with God. I'm going to pray to him because I'm going to eat. So I, want, I need some spiritual food. And maybe before lunch, he said, you know, before I get into this, before I dig in, before I warm this up, I'm just going to pray. And I'm going to get serious with God. Or maybe at dinner, he said the same thing. I'm going to do this three times a day because i got to eat every day. So I'm going to pray every day three times. We've talked about the spiritual who. We've talked about the spiritual why. And we've talked about the spiritual what. What is it that God's saying to us? Now, it says this in 1 Timothy. Physical training is good. But training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. So what we want to do is we want to move from hope to habits. We want to put it into practice. We're not just going to think about it now. We're going to actually do it with God's help. What's the one small habit that God is saying to me today that he wants to see achieved? And something big can come from that from just one simple, small habit. Zechariah says this, Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. God is just waiting on you to start small. And the Bible says that he's going to rejoice when you do. Do you want to make God smile today? Listen. And respond to what he's calling you to do. You never know what God will use, that small habit, to do something great in somebody else. You know, I read the Bible and prayed every day since I was a little boy. I didn't always do it every day, but I did it. And then several years ago, over 20 years ago, I went to a conference, and this guy was a preacher, and he got up and talked about spiritual burnout. He said, I moved to a new church in Fort Lauderdale. And he said, I was just dry and dead, and I didn't have anything to give, and the church was the same shape. And he said, I didn't know what to do. I had a buddy that had gone through something similar. I went and spent two weeks with him, and he talked to me about spiritual formation. We prayed together, read God's Word. I just kind of focused on God for two weeks, and, and that allowed me to start some things. And he started doing what this other guy did. And one of the things he started doing was journaling. And he's speaking, and I'm sitting there at this conference. And God starts speaking to me. He said, you need to do that. I said, oh, no, no. <laughs> not me. There's other guys here. They need to do it, not me. He said, no, you. And so I was going no, but God was going yes. And so we had a conversation. Guess who won? I journal now. I got, I, got, I got stacks and stacks and stacks. of. I didn't want to do it. But you know what? I do it now every morning. I don't even think about it. I just write whatever I feel led to write down there. Sometimes I'll just jot down some of the scriptures. Sometimes I always put a prayer down there every day. How am I going to be different because I read this? But it was something that I needed to do. I didn't want to do it. Well, I've been doing it for over 20 years now. When I was a young man, a young adult, I was 21 years old. I went to work in a church in Niceville, Florida. And they taught me about tithing, and I didn't know what tithing was. And they said, this is one way that God can help you learn to trust him in this area of your life. That's why he wants you to do it. Does God need anything from us? No, he just needs us. That's what he wants. But he says, I want to help you grow. I want your faith to grow. So here's a little exercise, and I'm just going to let you do that. And that's just one way that you get closer to me. And so I just started doing it. A preacher and a layman in that church taught me and I was 21 years old. A couple of years later, Laura and I got married and while we were married, we said we're going to keep doing it. 
And all these years, we've been married 43 years, and all these years, we just kept doing it. It was so simple to do. It, it was real quick. It, it doesn't take a lot. You just write the check and give it to God. You say, well, you know, I, I, I trust God with my salvation, but I'm not too sure I can trust him with money. <laughs> really? Does that work? I mean, why would God, a holy God who loves you, tell you to do anything that would be detrimental to you? It's been a fit. And listen, I've taught it for years and years in the ministry, the whole time I've been in the ministry. And one of the, one of the joys of my life is to see a lay person who starts really delving into it and read the Bible and they start praying about it. And they get convicted about it. And they come to me and they said, you know, we thought you just made this up or something. But they, here's what they do. They start waving the white flag. But you know what? We found out this is in the Bible. And this is what God has called us to do. And so we're supposed to do it. And I didn't even know that. But, but I'm going to learn because you talked about it. And I'm going to see what God says. And with his help, I'm going to do it. So Laura and I, we just say, hey, we're going to make that a priority. And it's just a way for us to put God first in our finances. And the habit of tithing and putting him first is something that we enjoy doing every year. What's the one small habit that he's prompting you to do? to draw closer to him, to be the witness and the example that you can be for other people. I just want to encourage you to do it. Recently, I've told you about my refrigerator repairman. He and I have gotten very close because the refrigerator at our place has had some problems. It, it has had minor little parts that will go out. And so we have to get it replaced, right? And so we'll call the guy and say he ordered the part, but the wrong part came in. And so, you know, then he had to come back. And so several times he's come back. Recently, another part went out on the refrigerator. This poor guy cannot get away from me. I'm contacting him on a regular basis, and I'm just talking to him about it. So one day we're talking while he's there, and I talk about him in church. And, and uh, he knows that I, I'm a minister, and I'm here at the church. And he said, oh, I've done work down at the church. Yeah, I, I know where you are. And he said, uh, so, so one of the guys that's a member of our church who sits in the back back there, he, he knows this guy because this guy's also a bartender. He works, he repairs refrigerators, and at night he, he's a bartender, right? And in fact, I, I have talked to him so much, one day he said to me, Preacher, if you ever retire from the ministry, you would make a great bartender. <laughs> he, said, he said, because I can teach a monkey to mix a drink. He said, but I can't teach people how to talk to people. You can talk to people. And so he said, okay. And when he said that, the guy in the church is sitting back there, and he said, he said to his buddy, he said, was that you? Was that you? Because he knows that guy's a refrigerator repairman, and he knows that, that he's a bartender. He said, yeah, that was me. So he said, I'll tell you what. He came this week. He said, I'll tell you what. I've been coming, you've been doing business with me, you, you, I've been coming to your condo and working on this refrigerator all this time, I'm going to start doing business with you, I'm going to come to church, I'm going to sit with my buddy, they're both named Will, I'm going to sit with my buddy in church back there, and I said, it's a totally painless procedure. I hope you'll come every week, and that way I'll be able to report to you about my refrigerator. I won't even have to call you, okay, because it's all about me, really. It's all about me. All right? Ask God, what's the one thing, what's the one thing, Lord, you want me to do? He'll tell you. Father, thank you for answered prayer.
Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for allowing us to know what it is you want us to do and giving us the strength and the power to do it in your name. That's how we pray. And all God's children said, 